Okay, now <laughs> you may be dismissed, you may be seated, however it goes. Good morning. Good morning, brother. Good morning, I have work to do. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in, we're going to be all over the place. But two passages that I want you to to read with me are Philippians chapter four and First Thessalonians chapter five. Philippians chapter four and First Thessalonians chapter five. And as always, before we go to the Word of God, we want to meet with Him in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your Word. It is precious and holy, and it is a sure and solid foundation on which we can stand. I praise you for it, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, that you send a spirit of humility to each and every one of us to be able to receive what you have for us with gladness and joy, and that it land on fertile ground. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. All right, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. Put that up there for me, please. There we go. Philippians 4, verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you were here two weeks ago, this passage is familiar to you. We, we covered it two weeks ago. So, that's Philippians 4, 5, and 6. Now, let's read 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. Paul is speaking again, and he says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, I think I'm going to finish up our discussions that we've been having on prayer. I'm going to finish them up this morning and uh, we'll, we'll move into something different over the next few weeks. But over the last several weeks, I, you know, we, as we try to work things out and wrestle things out, you know, this, it's good for me to do it because as I wrestle it out, then I get to bring it to you. And, and just a little bit of uh, confession for you, just because I'm preaching it don't mean I figured it out. In fact, most of what I get up here and minister about are things that I'm, I'm wrestling with. I've had to go to the Word of God and chew it up and spit it out and swallow it and digest it and try to work it out. And I'm, as I'm trying to work it out, that's, that's where the, the messages come from. And that's good for me because it forces me to come to a conclusion. It forces me to rely on the Holy Spirit to settle this thing in my heart because it would be very unsettling to get up here and tell you something, thus saith the Lord, if I didn't feel like he had saith. Do you know what I mean? So uh, we've been on this, this issue of prayer for a while. It is crucial in the, in the Christian life to pray. It is, you, you cannot call yourself a Christian and, and not pray. We've talked about many aspects of prayer. We've looked at, at what, what, what real prayer is, what it means to have real Christian prayer, uh, effective prayer, effectual prayer, humble prayer, persistent prayer, uh, answered prayers. We talked about peace through prayers and intercession in prayer. That was last week. Today I want to focus on one final thing before we move on to something, something else. Kind of like the 
cap that goes on the, the bottle, if you will. I talked about Philippians 4, 6 a couple of weeks ago where he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And there's a, a lot of concepts in Scripture that, for me anyway, I, I need to just kind of see them played out in order to understand them. I don't, I don't know if any of you feel that way, but that's, that's where I find myself a lot. You know, like when, when Jesus says, you know, you, you've got to take up your cross and follow me, what does that even mean? You know, I, I, don't, I don't have a literal cross to carry. He did. I don't. I don't have a literal cross to carry. When he, so when he says, take up your cross, what, what does that look like? What, what, is that, what does that mean? I need to see it played out. I need to see it lived out and, and demonstrated to kind of help me understand. And, and I got, I've got to get my mind around it. I've got to, I've got to come up with, you know, how does that work out practically in, in my life? And, and as much as I can to the extent that the Holy Spirit allows me to, I, that's what I try to do for myself. And I try to do that for you week by week. I try to think these things through, to give a lot of, of energy and thought and prayer to these things to come to, to an idea of how, how is this lived out? How does this look outside of the book? You know, I see it in the book. I can see what he's saying in the book. How does this look outside the book? Because that, that's where I'm living. I mean, I live by the book, but I, I'm very much outside of it. Amen. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago when we discussed in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I tried to show you what that, what that looks like. You know, God, I, I love it when you do what you do. I can't control this, that supplication, so I hand it over to you. I'm giving it to you, and I'm eager and anxious to see what you will work out with it because I love it when you do what you do. Have your way, O oh Lord. So framing your request, if you remember, framing your requests in your heart, transforming them from gimme, gimme, gimme into a grateful, humble supplication to God, a thanksgiving to God. And a key component of prayer, and I should have said this very early on, and I'm, I'm sorry I haven't said it so far. I've alluded to it, but I don't, I don't think I've come out right and said it with, in succinct terms. Our, our prayer life, as goes our prayer life, so goes our Christian life. The more Christ-like that your prayer life is, the more Christ-like the rest of your life will be. I am certain of this. And let me tell you, the prayer closet is the absolute best place for you to practice Christ-likeness. It's the absolute best place for you to have training in being and modeling what it means to be Christ-minded, Christ-like, others-focused, sacrificial, all those things. It's the best place. It is a safe place. It is a private place. It is free from spying eyes and, and itching ears. It's just you and the Father, and He sees your heart, so there's, there's no point in trying to be deceitful or deceptive. There's no point in trying to hide things from Him or lying to yourself about your motivation. He sees into the depths of your heart, 
into the deep, dark recesses. He knows all the ugly things that are in there. And you know what? He loves you anyway. He knows that you struggle. So when you go to Him in prayer, He knows that you're not, you're not holy. Amen. There's nothing in you that is righteous. Paul said, in my flesh there is no good thing. There's nothing in you that's right. I am righteous only because of the blood of my Savior and my faith in Him. Amen. So when I go to Him, I can't even wear my own clothes, my own robes, because my own robes of righteousness are as filthy rags. I have to take off my own robes of righteousness and borrow those of my Savior and put those on so that when I walk into the throne room of God, I'm not wearing my old nasty rags. I'm dressed as His Son. And He looks at me and sees the favor of His Son in spite of all the stuff that the, that's covering. Oh, what a covering. What a covering. He knows our struggles. He knows our failures. He knows that our struggles and our failures are nearly always self-imposed. He gives, he grieves for us when we are self-destructive and he rejoices over us when we finally figure it out. And you know, if, if you're going to God in prayer like you ought to be, there will be moments where it just, oh, the light comes, I get it. Finally, I get it. You think, I've been struggling over this thing for years, decades even. I'm so mad about that thing that that person did 20 years ago, and I finally got relief from it. I finally can say it doesn't bother me anyway. I finally get it. Thank you, Jesus. Remember Philippians 4 and 5, the Lord is at hand. God is near you, always and everywhere, as close as the mention of His name. Lord, Abba, Daddy. That's all, that's all, He's as close as that. As close as that. What a good God we serve. He's there. You don't have to air your faults and your failures in front of people. And, and certainly not before you get victory over them before God. It might be healthy for you to make confession before men. In fact, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. But that's not, that does not precede confession to the Lord. We, we work it out with God and get right with Him. That's what gives us the power and the strength to say, hey man, I messed up. In fact, I don't think you should go to your brother and say, man, I'm sorry for wronging you until you have gotten it right with Christ, until you have gotten it right with the Lord. Remember David, after he had bedded someone else's wife and, and had, that, had her husband sent off to the front line to be killed, once David was convicted of his wrongdoing, what was the first thing he said? Against you and you alone have I sinned, O Lord. He had someone murdered, but it was against God that he had sinned. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I'll, I'll deal with the consternation and the, the, the off-putting of men. But I've got to get this right with you. Amen. I've got to get this right with you. If, if I can be made right with you, I can deal with whatever else comes. If this is right, I can deal with whatever else is going to be thrown at me. I'll, I'll take the consequences. I'll roll with it because I know that this is right. This has to be right. 
I can't live without this. That was David's heart. That's why even though David made so many grave mistakes, that's why God could look at him and say, there is a man after my own heart. So it wasn't about what David did. It's about where his heart was toward God. I've got to get this right. And when it's not right, it's, I'm, I'm, just, I'm as good as dead. Amen. Amen. I don't want to be dead. I want to be alive. So I'm telling you that in your prayer closet. And when I say that, I mean that that whenever and wherever that you get along with God to pray. It doesn't have to be a closet. For me, it's 4.30 a.m. at my kitchen table. In your prayer closet, that is a safe zone if there ever was one. I can work through issues of pride when I'm alone with God in the quiet of the morning when no one else is up, when it's just me and him, I can work through issues of unbelief. And believe me, the scriptures give me plenty of reason to say, Lord, I don't get it. How do I reconcile this with this? I'll, give you, I'll just give you an example. You know, as, a, as a pastor, how do I reconcile dust your feet off when they don't receive you with the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. How do I reconcile they went out from among us and they weren't of us? Because if they were of us, they wouldn't have left us with the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And for you that aren't standing here, that may not, that may not mean much to you. But I tell you, that is, that is grief for me. Amen. That is there's a lot of uncertainty. How, how do I handle those who, who have been in our fellowship and have left the fellowship? Do I, do I chase them down? Or do I call them out? What do we do? Is it, is it, the, is it the strong arm of love that they need or, is it, or do they need to be coddled? This is a wrestle for me, and I wrestle that in prayer. Amen. Because I can lay that out before God. That was, that was pretty bold of me to do that just now, because you shouldn't see that, but now you do. I lay that out before God in prayer. I don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks about it. I can say, God, I don't get it. I'm angry. Or I'm grieved. How do I handle this? What am I supposed to do? I can do that in prayer. Now go to God in prayer. Here's the thing. I told you that so I could tell you this. Whatever you work out in prayer, you will live out in your life. Amen. Okay? Whatever you work out in prayer, you will live out in your daily life. Again, I, I should have said this more plainly and succinctly when we first started down this road very early on, but I, I'm saying it now. Prayer is preparation. As your life, your prayer life goes, so goes your Christian life. Amen. So, considering the text that we read this morning in, in Philippians, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And we talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago, what that kind of how that kind of looks like. But it's it's the thanksgiving part that I really want to zero in on today and, and put a cap on it. 
Because I think this is absolutely crucial. Now, I don't think I'm doing disservice or damage to the Scriptures when I say that. It is crucial. Thanksgiving is crucial to serving God and loving others well. In fact, thankfulness is so important, it is commanded in Scripture that we be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17 and 18. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks, not because it's a good idea to do so. Not because others are drawn to people who are thankful. Not because it makes you a a more pleasant person to be around. Not because it makes your life better. Not because it gives you strength to endure difficult situations. All of those things are true. But they're not the reason that Paul gives. Paul says, in everything give thanks because it is the sovereign will of Almighty God that you do so. So the immeasurable, unsearchable, indescribable, all-powerful, all-knowing, eternally merciful, forever faithful, supremely satisfying, ultimately righteous God said, in everything give thanks. It's like when your mom and dad say, don't do that or do this. And you say, but why? And then they retort with, because I said so. Do you need any other reason? I've told my, I swore to myself I would not say that when I was a dad. But you know what? Sometimes that's the only reason that is required. And I have found myself saying that. Have I said that once or twice? Maybe more? Because I told you and that's all the reason that you need. Why ought I? do? I don't have any reason to be thankful. Yeah, you do. God said so. And that's the only reason you need. In everything, give thanks. I just, I want to take a few minutes, if I could, and I want, to, I want to try to overwhelm you with just a little bit of what God's holy word has to say about thankfulness. So, so bear with me. I'm going, to, I'm going to plow through some text here, okay? Uh, and if you want a list of these, that's, I'll give it to you later. Just come up to me and ask me. Um, but on, on thankfulness, just a, a taste of the scriptures of what they have to say about where it should be in our lives and the role it should play and, and, and thus and so. And of course, you know, you can't do thankfulness, a, a, a subject like that, without starting in the Psalms. So we're going to start there. Psalms chapter 7, verse 17. The psalmist says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. I praise that I'm grateful. I will, give, I will glorify him with my mouth. Give thanks to him according to his righteousness. He earned it. He's righteous. He earned my praise. I will praise him according to his righteousness. Psalms 9 and 1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And I will sing. And with my song will I praise him. With my song, the fruit of my lips, I will glorify God. Psalm 69 and 30. I will praise the name of God with the song. That's the fruit of my lips. And I will magnify him with thanksgiving. 
This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that has horns and hooves. The whole system of praise and worship was built around sacrifice of animals. And here comes David and he says, I will praise you with the fruit of my mouth. I will give you thanks in my heart. And that is more desirable to you than the whole system you created. That was just to show me that you're worth every bit of my heart. Psalm 95, 1 through 3. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord God is a great God and a great King above all gods. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our gratitude, of our thankfulness. Psalm 100, 1 through 5. You all know this one. Make a joyful noise. A joyful noise. That's a song of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, all ye lands. Everybody everywhere. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Don't you know that the Lord, He is good? It is He that has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Be thankful to him. And here's all the reasons why. Psalm 107 and 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. He repeats himself in Psalm 118, 29. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And just in case we didn't get it in Psalm 136, 1 through 5. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. Be thankful. If for no other reason than you haven't burned yet. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding there and abounding in that rooted, grounded establishment of faith with thanksgiving. You want to know how to live the abundant life? That's it. Be grateful. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And let the peace of God, you know this, this one, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called into one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God. Whatever you do, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus, give thanks to God. Everything you do, do it thankfully with a heart of gratitude. I got up this morning. Lord, I'm thankful. I put my own shoes on this morning. Lord, I'm 
I'm thankful. I'm not struggling to breathe. I'm thankful. Let her embarrass my daughter. We went, uh, she asked me yesterday, it was a beautiful day yesterday, and she's a, a tennis player, and uh, this time next year, um, if the Lord's willing, she'll be somewhere else at, off at college. And so she said, hey, Dad, you want to go play tennis? Now, I haven't done tennis since I was in high school, and even then I didn't do it. I, we just got a tennis racket and hit the ball around and just chased it a little bit. So I wasn't a tennis player ever. But we went. And Saturday's a tough day for me because I got to do sermon prep. But I said, Lord, you know, you've, this is my first ministry and I told you that and you knew it and I'm going to do it and you're going to bless me anyway and bless me in it. And so we went and we played tennis. And as I'm running around that court chasing that ball, my heart's about to jump out of my chest because it's pounding so hard because I've not done activity like that in probably 20 years or better and it was just delightful. I remember running and chasing the ball and picking it up and walking back to my spot. And I could not help but say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that I have this opportunity to do this right here. That I'm not collapsed on the ground. That you've given me strength to run and chase the ball with my daughter. What a blessed day we had. What a blessed day. Give thanks. In everything that you do, give thanks. Amen. Colossians 4 and 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same. Continue. Stay praying. Stay watchful with thanksgiving. Ephesians 5, 18-21. And be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking unto yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, Amen. That's pretty broad language. Giving thanks always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, that's Jesus, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. What is the sacrifice of praise? He tells us. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. So here in Hebrews, we learn you've got to say it. It's not really thankfulness until you, you, give, you give voice to it. It's not really praise until you say it. You gotta say, that's the fruit of your lips. That's thankfulness to God, the fruit of your lips, giving praise to him. There, there are so many passages in the scripture that either deal directly or, or indirectly, but very closely with thankfulness. And I just read about 15 verses or so, and I've only scratched the surface. Do you guys remember the 10 lepers that Jesus healed? So Jesus came into the city, you know, and, and, and as he was coming in, the, the lepers were far off and they saw him and they cried, Lord! Have mercy on us. And Jesus had compassion on them. And he said, go and show yourself to the priest. The Bible says that as they went, they, they were healed. And there, there's a whole message right there, but that's for a different day. But in, in verse 15, we see that one of them, this is Luke 17, 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God and fell down on his face, giving him thanks. So what, what did glorifying God look like? Falling down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. Giving him thanks. 
And Jesus answered him. He said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God. So that was glory to God. To say with a loud voice, thank you, Lord. So that everybody could hear it. God has been good to me. Verse 19, and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. This is, there is no wholeness without gratitude. Amen. Amen. You, I'm going to tell you this, you cannot understand or experience salvation in Jesus Christ without holy gratitude. Because salvation comes by realizing the depth of your sin, just how desperately you need a Savior, and putting all your faith, all your hope, all your trust in the goodness of Jesus that He died on the cross in your stead. I am grateful to Him, for, and that gratitude will keep me. Amen. Amen. Nine of them who left walked their way. The Bible said they were healed as they went. So they all received their physical healing. They all had faith to believe that this man, there's this man, surely he's a prophet. We've heard of these wonderful things that he's done. So they said, have mercy on us. They had faith that he could heal their bodies, and he did. But there was only one that came back that was made whole. Do you see that? He didn't say, all y'all's faith has made you whole. He said, your faith. And how did he demonstrate that faith? Through glorifying God by thanksgiving. So it it, it was this one that realized, I have not just been touched by a prophet, but by the hand of God. And he came back to say, you're no ordinary man. You're not like Elijah. You're not like Moses. You're not like Isaiah or any of the prophets. You're glorifying God, falling at Jesus' feet. This is him saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in that, his faith made him whole, giving thanks to God. When we open our hearts in gratitude to God, it, it kills pride Gratitude and thankfulness puts you in a place to be made whole and complete, lacking nothing. Y'all know the passage in James 1 where he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, that's lacking nothing. To my brethren, count it all joy when you, when you fall into tough stuff. Be happy about it when things happen to you. Be thankful about it when you face trials. That's what it means to count it all joy. I thank you for the opportunity to show myself approved. Boy, boy, this sure fell apart really quick. Thank you, Lord. One more chance for you to show out and for me to show myself approved. That I trust you even though. Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. If you don't get that first part, count it all as joy, 
be grateful, be thankful, be happy when stuff happens. You can't get the second bit, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. Because it is through gratefulness and thankfulness, it is through joy that trials build patience. I hope you see the connection there. You will fall at the first sign of trouble without a glad heart, without thankfulness. When someone comes up against you, if you don't count it as joy, there is not patience that is worked. If you don't count it as joy, you, you get angry, you get upset, you get agitated, you get anxious right off the bat. And then where is patience? How can patience have her perfect work when you're clearly not being patient, but instead you're anxious and agitated? This is why James starts off with, count it all joy. Be glad, be grateful when these things happen. Look at them as opportunities to grow, opportunities to show yourself approved. There's another side to thankfulness. Again, it is crucial to the Christian life. The, The absence of thankfulness is terribly destructive. There are so many so-called Christians who are walking like dead people because of the lack of gratitude in their hearts. Look at Romans 1.21. Paul says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful. But they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. This means... Vain imaginations, that's fruitless thinking, futile thinking, worthless thinking. All your thoughts, all your aims, all your pursuits are worthless. They're for nothing outside of a thankful heart towards God. Do you see that? They glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful. And so they became vain in their imaginations. What does that look like? Their hearts were darkened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. It is a foolish heart that is not grateful toward God. And ungratefulness is a black cloud of ash and soot on the heart. That's a very scary place to be when your heart is darkened and black because everything around you becomes a source of bitterness. A darkened heart sees conflict and controversy everywhere. Futile thinking. Fruitless thinking. Most people get offended, at, well, they all get offended out of pride, but the ones that get offended all the time are really prideful. And so they start considering all the other things. Everybody's out to get them. We talked about these guys last week. Everybody's out to get them. You know them. Everybody's out to get them. They don't have any thankfulness. A darkened heart sees conflict everywhere, and the only remedy for that is gratefulness. Thankfulness through Jesus Christ. In fact, unthankfulness, ungratefulness is such a cancer on the soul that the Bible tells us to run from such people. You heard the expression, don't walk away from a negative person, run. That comes straight out of the Word of God. Did you know that? 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves... Covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, unthankful. That, that whole list of things, a whole list of pretty bad things, coveters, Boasters, blasphemers, prideful people, unholy people, liars, perverted desires. That's some pretty bad company. And right in the middle of it all, you see, unthankful. Lack of gratitude. And the scripture says, turn away from such people. The other translations say the, to flee such people. And the reason they translate it that way is because just, just to say turn away doesn't capture the, the gravity of the original language here. It means to have nothing to do with, to put them out of your sight, or anything to do with these, completely turn away. So they translate it, flee, run from these people. Don't have anything to do with them. Don't have anything to do with unthankful people. Why? Because they're entitled. Unthankful people are entitled people. They think the world owes them something. And when they don't get what they think that they're owed, they become very angry and bitter. And why is that? Because their hearts are darkened Amen. and their thoughts are pointless, as we saw in Romans 1.21. Unthankfulness breeds discontentment and bitterness. I don't know about you, but I, I cannot stand to be around ungrateful people. They just rub me the wrong way. You know, um, when I lived in Missouri, I didn't realize it, but I moved up there when I was pretty young. And so uh, going to a drive-through, you know, some of my earliest experiences doing that. So you go to the drive-through and you order your food and you give them your money. And in, in Springfield, everybody said thank you. Did they hand you your food and you hand them their money and, and that thank you, please come again. Thank you, please come again. I got used to that. I mean, you, you appreciate my business. You may not genuinely, personally appreciate my business, but at least, you know, the company has trained you to show appreciation for my... I don't have to come here. I could go anywhere. But you have said, thank you, and I, I appreciate that. And then I moved back to Paris, and it was like a culture shock. Amen. It was. Go through the drive-thru, and I don't even get a word. Just hand the food out or throw it in the car Almost, it was almost that bad. Just throw it at you and act like I've done them some kind of favor for being there. I just, yeah, and, and never get my order right. Um, it's gotten better over the last 10, 15 years I've lived here. I guess someone's wising up to the fact that we don't have to shop there, but um, not me personally. I mean, people in general. But I just, I remember telling Casey, and you can ask her, I complain about it all the time. We go to the drive-thru and didn't get, didn't, they didn't say a word to me uh, beyond what, what do you want. Once I gave them my money, gave them my food, nobody said thank you. It would just drive me crazy. You know, the least you can do is say thank you. That's the least thing you can do is say thank you. And here it is so important. It's the, it's, it's the easiest thing to do is to say thank you. And God puts so much blessing in it. So much blessing in a grateful heart. Just being, saying thank you. Amen. Amen. It's the least thing we can do. Even for someone uh, doing something that they're required to do. You know, well, he's just doing his job. That's okay. 
Be thankful for someone willing to do their job without having to be told to do their job. Thank the Lord for that. The spirit of laziness does not rest upon that man. It is a virtue to have a good work ethic. We ought to be grateful for that. Say thank you, even when they're just doing what they have to do. You know, I work in a service field. I handle computers. I handle people's problems. No one ever talks to me to say, hey, Jeff, how's the wife and kids? It's always, hey, Jeff, I got this problem. But don't you know I notice when they say thank you? I do. I mean, I have to fix their problem anyway. It's my job to do it. But when they come back and say, you know, I just, I, I appreciate you doing that. That means the world to me. It means the world to me. And just, it's the littlest thing you can do. The only thing it costs you to say thank you. You know what it costs you? Pride. And don't you want to kill that anyway? Amen. Don't you want less of that anyway? I, here, take some of my pride. I want less of that anyway. That's money I'm glad to spend. Get it out of my coffers. Don't want it. Because pride goes before a fall, before destruction. I don't want it. And it kills pride to say thank you. It is an automatically, necessarily humbling thing to do to be grateful. That's all it costs me is something destructive to me anyway. Get it out of here. I don't want it. I'll take what is building up. I'll take what is edifying. I'll take what brings me joy and gladness and fullness and an abundant life. I'll take that. You can have all the pride you want. It is to my benefit to humble myself so that God doesn't have to do it for me. So, the scripture tells us, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. I'm going to leave you with this passage, this, this shout of praise from Revelation chapter 7, verse 21. I just, I just love it. He says, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We are grateful to you yet again for your word. I pray, Lord, that I have, I have carried it faithfully, and I ask you in your divine will and the power of your Holy Spirit to move upon us, Lord, with gratefulness. We may leave here knowing just what we've been given in you and how, how awesome, how awesome we have it. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Keep us safe. Bless the food that we're about to eat and the fellowship that we're about to have. Let us do so knowing that it is provided by you. Bless the hands that have prepared it. Keep us safe as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What's their last name? Davis. Davis. Keep the Davis children in your prayers. Shake hands. Be friendly. And uh, we'll see you in the back. Don't leave if you didn't bring anything. That's okay. We got plenty of food.